Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. Welcome to another edition of the What Is Truth radio show. And here we are in our nice, warm studios. Got a good furnace here in December, keeping us warm up in the north. And we're looking forward to spending the next hour with you. Of course, uh, Dr. Michael Caesar here in the studio, along with Mark Sassy. Good to have you, Good brother. Morning. Good morning. You, you feeling better? Brother yeah. Mark had a little thing earlier in the week. Yeah, a little thing. I'm fine. Totally fine. Amen. You look good. Praise the praise Lord. <laughs> good to be here. And we've been working through the uh, history of the New Testament church as told by God and written by his man Luke in the Acts of the Apostles. And we've been working through, and it's been a very exciting journey, watching how men like Peter and Paul and Silas and Timotheus and Barnabas went from town to town bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which, you know, we do on the street. Yesterday we were on the streets there preaching. Amen. And we were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was telling the people, we have good news for you. And the good news is the gospel. And the gospel's not about church. No. It's about Jesus Christ. And as they went from town to town, they didn't talk about church. They talked about Jesus Christ. Now, interestingly, churches were birthed because of the gospel. Yeah, it's the gospel of grace. Yes. And it's a good gospel. Yes. It's the good news that uh, the Lord wants us to give out to everyone that Christ died for our sins. Sure. And that's good news because that means that salvation is available to all men if you just put your trust in him. And sometimes people get confused about Old Testament, New Testament. How was it in the Old Testament? Same sort of thing. Always trusting trust in, in God. the Lord. You, yes. You'll see that in the Psalms over yes. and over and over. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Yes. Amen. So so we're in the 19th chapter now. And we, we started uh, last week, and we're going to the Acts of the Apostles. If you want to uh, join with us today, grab your Bible, open to Acts chapter 19. If you want to catch up on the old shows, go to the uh, church that sponsors us is Grace and Truth Church, a little church up in Amherst, New York. I uh, got to spell it out one long, smushed together word with no spaces, Grace and Truth Church dot O-R-G. The homepage comes up. You hit the little tab says sermons. Another choice comes up and hit the one that says YouTube. And you can go to the What is Truth programs and listen to what we've been studying last week. We're in the 19th chapter. Yes. We saw how uh, Paul came to this region. And one of the things I noticed interestingly is uh, when he returned to Ephesus and he started doing some teaching, it says back in uh, verse 8, he went to the synagogue. Yes. He spake boldly. He did this for three months. He persuaded people concerning the things of the kingdom of God and, and the grace of God and the gospel of God and all that. And and diverse were hardened. People, some were, didn't and believe not. They didn't want to hear it. Some believe and some don't. And they spake evil of that way. And then it says... Um, and and separated, he separated the disciples, but he stayed, uh, apparently, I don't know how often he did it, disputing daily, he says, in the school of a man named Tyrannus. This is the only time 
in the Bible. It's the only reference in the Holy Bible of the word school. Hmm. School. Uh, Not a very good reference, is it? Well, no, because it's talking about people disputing with a man of God about the word of God. And the, and the leader of the school was called Tyrannus, like a tyrant, like yeah. a Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. You know, he'll bite your head off if you don't think the way he thinks. And they, they speak evil, it says in verse 9, of that way, the way that Paul spoke. And the sad thing is, in our schools today, the, the, the Bible is spoken evil of. And if people want to bring gospel truth to a school, folks will dispute with the teaching. Now, in our country, which was unique for a period of time there, when we began back in the late 1700s, many of the men that came here from Europe came for the express purpose of what they called religious liberty or religious freedom, because over in Europe... There had been oppression of those with a Bible. The organized churches in Europe back in the 16, 1700s, they fought against individual people with Bibles. They imprisoned them. They, they did all kinds of things to them. The Catholic Church had done that for a thousand years. Uh, well, there's a whole book on it called Fox's Book of Martyrs. There, there you go. You can read all about this. And they came over here, and the thing they wanted more than anything was the opportunity for their families to worship according to their conscience. Yes. And they didn't want to force anyone to be a Bible believer, but those that were wanted the liberty. They made the First Amendment for that. Yes. And our schools, when they started out in this country, because of those men in the late 1700s, early 1800s, our public schools... The first book they printed for the public school in 1804 was a King James Bible. Yes, and then even the the readers that they had in the early American schools, they had like A, B, C, and A was for Adam, and B was for Bible, Bible. and C was for Christ. I remember that. Yes. That's one of the early readers they had, the New England yeah. Primer. I have a copy at home. And, and yes, that's true. But what happened in our country over the years has uh, more and more people came across uh, from Europe and many were of a liberal persuasion, and liberalism got into our country, they finally outlawed the Bible in our schools in 1962, the Supreme Court did. And that was a really bad day for America, because if you're kicking God out of school, which they did by the Supreme Court ruling, somebody has done a chart on that. I I have the charts. Yeah, the charts show how all of a sudden, right after they kicked God out of school. Man the microphone, I'm going to go to my briefcase. I have Okay. So the charts show that right after they kick God out of school and kick the Bible, the word of God, out of public schools in America, that crime went way up. Rape went way up. Um, uh, uh, marriages failing went way up. It, it was a dramatic change from before to after. And it's because God says, if you follow my ways, you'll be blessed. And if you go against my ways, you'll be cursed. And so... If, if somebody did want to see these crime, charts, yeah. they're, they're found in a couple of books written by a man by the name of David Barton, oh, B-A-R-T-O-N. And, and here is uh, one of the books, and we have the charts out of that, the birth rates for unwed women. 
going before 1962 and after. And you can just see these graphs go straight up. The SAT scores for the kids in school averaged about 970 to 980 until 1962, and then it dropped all the way down to the 800s, can a I, very rapid drop. Can, just, I, can I jump on that for a second? Go ahead. So SAT scores were up in the 970s, 980s, and then they went down to like in the 800s mm-hmm. quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, isn't the whole idea of education is to have smart students that are going to build America's future? And and here you're doing just the opposite. And I remember you saying in the past that the Bible has answers for all things. And sure. back in the book of Joshua, there's a mention of Ed. And they worshiped at yes. the altar of Ed. I don't remember which chapter that was anymore. Do it's you? Joshua 22. Okay. And um, yes, you are correct because uh, about the Bible, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 128, the psalmist wrote, Lord, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. If you want to know the truth about the important things in life, the precepts of God have them. And, Amen. and that's why that's why we look. That's why we study this. And I never knew that when I was young, but <laughs> no, it is really interesting uh, when you read more and more through the Bible. And as many times as you've been through it, cover to cover, people can ask you as a pastor, "Hey, what does the Bible say about this? Hey, what does it say about that?" And the answers are there. Uh, we can find them. They're yeah. they're here somewhere. That's why God gave us this book. Uh, my son, keep my words, keep my precepts with thee. They will give thee wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And out of the heart are the issues of life. And you can keep your heart with this book. So, so I just thought that was interesting. Here we are in chapter nineteen of Acts, and we get to uh, this. Uh, issue in verse nine. And here's a school disputing every day with the ways and the teachings of the man of God. Uh, very, very sad. So, well, and that's where our schools are today, sadly. Well, we had mentioned Ed, this altar of Ed back in Joshua 22. It's Joshua 22, verse 34, and says, and the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed. Yes. And that's kind of like education. Yeah, bowing down to education. Yeah. By the way, that that has to be, if that's not the one of the greatest idols in America, and I think one of the re- ways you will see it evidenced is during election time. I'm sure that every candidate has something to say about education, about making it bigger right. and better and how vital and important and making it available to all because they believe that education is the answer the cure to, to the problems down here. Yes. Right. But the, the Bible, I remember a preacher saying once that uh, no man's education is complete with a knowledge of the Bible and education without salvation can be deadly. Amen. I mean, you take a simple person that doesn't know how to do much and you educate him how to pick a lock. He can be a dangerous criminal because right. he doesn't have the morals in his heart to tell him not to do that. Thou shalt not steal. Yeah. Well, perfect example is on uh, social media. They were showing kids within the last year or two how to uh, start up a Kia car without the keys. And they were stealing Kias over and over and oh, over. Okay, so yeah. there it is. So education, education without the Bible and salvation is, can right. be deadly. Right. Yes, and, and harmful. And like you said, here we see in uh, Acts 19.9, it's the one and only mention of the Bible of the school. And it's a negative mention. God is trying to paint simply for you, watch out for school. It will probably teach you how to dispute. They disputed daily 
with the way mentioned in verse 9, which is the way of truth, the way of life, which is the gospel of Christ. Well, since we're here for the moment, I just want to say this. We're here in Erie County in New York State. And Erie County has a budget of one point, roughly $1.4 billion per year annually. And they run the whole county, which is a pretty big area. Yes. And about a million people in the county, roughly. Yes, about a million. Yeah. And $1.4 billion is the budget for the whole entire county. Okay. But if you look at the city of Buffalo school system, just inside the city alone. That's a small area, only a couple hundred thousand people. Yes. Yeah. Their annual budget is $1 billion or a little over every year, year after year. And it's a mess. Sure, sure. They have a lot of kids that aren't graduating. They're illiterate. They can't read. They can't write. They can't do basic math. And so... Everybody knows about school taxes. Yes. And so for years I've been hearing about if we just put more money into it and just put more money into education, things are going to... No, it's not. Think back 150 years ago. put more money into it every single year. Is it getting better? Those graphs that we just looked at, seems like it's getting worse. SAT scores are going down. So you don't need money in the schools. You need God in the schools. Amen. Yeah. So there we go. Interesting. Okay, move on, brother. Where were we? So in verse 13... There's this interesting thing that happens about these vagabond Jews. They were exorcists. Okay. And then right after that little event that they do, <clears throat> people brought their books to be burned. So let's read on that, and then we'll, we'll talk on that a little bit. In verse, uh, this is Acts 19, verse 13. Sure. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, they took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was, he leaped on them, and he overcame them, and he prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded." And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Now the next thing that happens is interesting. Verse 19, many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So it was curious arts, it says. Yes. And notice they brought their books. So where did they learn these curious arts? They learned them in books. Uh, God has determined and man has followed his example to try and communicate teachings to other people by the use of books. Amen. God determined to give the books to the Jewish people. He said, these are my oracles. Write these in a book. Uh, keep these books and give them to others so that they can know spiritual truth. Now, these folks using curious arts and exorcism and things that uh, were on the other side, the dark side, they also had their books too. So uh, what the Apostle John, I don't know if he witnessed this event or heard about this event, wrote later on in the back of the Bible, 1 John chapter 4, he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. When someone speaks to you or someone writes, words are spiritual. Amen. We speak spiritual words. We write spiritual words. There's just ink on paper. Yeah, but they're communicating ideas to your mind and your soul. Yes. The words are, are making a 
a spiritual communication into your mind. Try these because there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know the spirit of error versus the spirit of truth. These are the, that's in verse six. Um, we are of God. We know that God hears us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth that came from God, that came from his books, that came from the way that Paul was preaching versus the spirit of error, which is these people using curious arts and getting their books. So on one side, you've got truth. Yes. And on the other side, you've got lies and yeah. error. Sometimes it's an outright lie and deceit on purpose with maliciousness, meaning in, intending to do so, intending okay. to mislead people. And then other times it's just plain error. Now, I'm going to I'm going to say this, though. I, I mean, there are books that speak of truth because we're, we're, the show is what is truth? OK, yeah. so what is truth? Now, if we're made in the image of God, according to the Bible, and we have a body, we have a physical component. Yes, we have a soul. And we have a spirit. Two thirds of us is spiritual. Truth also breaks down into all three parts of that makeup that we have. Physical truth, physics, chemistry, mathematics, mathematics, uh, anatomy. Yeah, I can actually have a book, uh, Gray's Anatomy. We studied that in medical school. We looked at the nervous system. I mean, years and years and years of dissection, we learned about the central, the peripheral nervous system. That's truth. There's not a lie there. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. That's a physical truth. Social truths. Uh, experiments were run. As a matter of fact, it was run in Massachusetts Bay Colony when they first moved here. They tried one year of a, a social truth called socialism. Mm. And and uh, it's written about in the governor's book. There's a Bradford's book. He talks about what happened the first year. They determined, look, we're all here together. Uh, here's the lamb we're going to work. Why don't we all work it and we'll share equally what comes out of it? I'm guessing he, that didn't work too well. Well, what he noticed was some people figured, look, we're going to share equally. Even if I sleep in today and don't work hard, let right. Bill do it. Right. Let that guy do it. And some people worked harder than others. Some people just slept in and took a break. And then at the end, they were all too happy to divide what came. And yeah. there was very low output because not a lot of input of labor. And the next year, the governor said, look, why don't we do it this way? You have your own piece of land. You work it as much as you want. You use what you have for your family and what's left over you can sell. And the output was great. That's when they had the first Thanksgiving that next year yeah. when they noticed the incredible output they had because of the input of labor. And they said, wow, this free market capitalism works. I think that's how we'll build our nation. Amen. So from a social truth, free market capitalism with people laboring because the greatest resource is people. And you, the people have to have an incentive to work hard. And they have an incentive when you say you could keep it. Yes. And then you can sell what you made. There you and go. So it, it worked. And, and that's how this nation grew. So you got social truth. But what we're talking about here is spiritual truth. Amen. We're talking about the truth that's going to affect whether you have spiritual life for all of eternity. God is a spirit. Yes. And they that worship him must, must worship, worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and it's got to be the right truth. And he said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they are life. Amen. Yeah. Now, these curious arts, Yes. this is about spiritual things. Sure, they're talking about how to do exorcisms, how to get maybe, uh, got, maybe God to help you. There might be a book on God. If you pray a certain way, like turning a key in a lock, God's got to do this for you. And will you get God to be your servant? 
but God's not asking you well, <laughs> to be, he didn't want to be your servant. He wants you to be his servant. He gave you life. Yes. And, and if you consider today with the internet, there's so many different things on social media and the internet about uh, curious arts, spiritism, that kind of stuff. I've run into some people that really delve into spiritism and it seems like they have no foundation whatsoever. They're just all over the place and they don't know what to believe and what not to believe. But you have to weigh everything against the Bible. Yes. Now, curiously, they, so here's the Apostle Paul. He's in the region of Ephesus. He's doing the teaching. Verse 19, verse 18, many of them that believed came and they came forward and they believed what Paul said and they confessed. They said, you know, we confess Jesus Christ as our savior. Amen. We want to follow your way, Paul. And we want to show you our deeds. This is how we've been living until you got here. We, we actually thought we were doing right. There was a way that seemed right unto us. We went down to Barnes & Noble. We bought a good book in the spiritual section, and it was there to give us a better life right now and to help us out and maybe help us raise our kids better. And we were trying it. Now, in there, there were some curious arts. There were some... I don't know what they call this. When you, when you say a couple of words, what do they call that thing? Well, it's like witchcraft or black magic or the occult. Yeah. Some uh, of those There's things. a word for that. When they say things, they, it's, it's like not mantra, but there's another word. Uh, anyways. Okay. The, 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 and so we, we got this little thing and we say it like over an, and over. Like an, the book, a, a, a chant or Like a chant or something. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're doing this and, and we thought it would help. Incantation. But now, yeah, or an incantation. But now that you've come, and you showed us that the way is what God showed you. And we've now been born again. We want to get rid of this other thing. Apostle John said, get rid of the spirit of error. And we burned the books. And I'm sure Paul supervised it. Amen. The burning of books. Yeah. These were not good books. No, they're, they're not good. They're yeah. harmful to people. And so if we fast forward to today, yes. and almost everybody's online, whether it's on their phone or whether it's at their home computer or whatever, you don't want to be looking into curious arts. You don't want to be looking into uh, dark things. You don't want to be looking into Harry Potter and fairy tales about trolls or different things, whatever it may be. There's a lot of garbage out there. Yeah, what you want to look into is, uh, like it says in the book of Proverbs, my son, keep thy father's commandment. Forsake not the law of thy mother. The commandment is a lamp. The law is light. He's talking about the Bible and, 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 and that was Solomon talking. He's talking to his little boy, Ray Bowman saying, look, your mom and I, we've grown up with the Bible. We've grown up with the word of God, the commandments and the law. These are the instructions that are the right way of life. They will keep thee from evil. They will keep thee from strange teachings. And so Another way to look at it is um, the Bible says that Jesus is the anchor of my soul. And if anybody's ever been on a boat and you've been out on a lake or wherever and there's waves and they're pushing you, okay? Yes. When you put down anchor, it holds you fast. Amen. And that's the way the Bible is. It holds yeah. you fast. It gives you a foundation. It gives you a holding on the truth. Now, the conclusion of that. So they, they finally believe in verse 18. They make their confessions. They come to Paul. They show him what they were doing and, and the books. And Paul probably suggested them, look, why don't we get together one day, bring these books here. Let's burn them. They're, they're harmful to you. Yes. It'd be like, for example, if I had a nutritionist 
and he came to your house and he looked at the cupboard <laughs> and he said, you have some things. These are not healthy for you. Cake Let's mix. get rid of these things. <laughs> Let's, Let's stay with healthy things. Right. We understand it physically. Sometimes we don't get it spiritually, but, but Paul understood he was a good shepherd. He did it. Now these were not cheap books. Look at the cost. 50. The price of them was 50,000 pieces of silver. It's a lot. You know, it's a funny thing. We spend money on things that are harmful to us in ignorance. Right. That's why Jesus prayed, Father, they know not what they do. But when they did the right thing and they burned these books, verse 20, what happened? So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Sure. I mean, if you have some of this stuff, I recommend, uh, I've done it before. I have a wood stove in my house. I've tossed Uh old books in my wood stove. Sure. And gotten rid of them. Yeah. Things that are perverted, things that are in the sense of... How does it say it in uh, in the book of Jeremiah? You have perverted the words of the living God. Yes. And so if you have a thing called a Bible that has changed verses and stuff, that's the perversion thing that I threw into my wood stove. Okay. Now I can, I can give you um, a historical example. We had a, a great guy that we met uh, years ago up at the Lockport Church and uh, Dan, Brother Dan. And Dan uh, got saved and uh, led his wife to the Lord and his kids to the Lord. And the more he read his Bible, he thought, you know, I want to serve the Lord. And he came to the pastor and he determined, I'm going to leave my job. He had a good job for Eastman Kodak back in the Mm -hmm. 90s. Good, good job. And I'm going to go be a missionary. And he found an area in Alaska that had a church and and needed a pastor. And he went there as a pastor missionary to their area of Alaska. But before he left, he said, I want to get together and we'll have a kind of just a time to pray and fellowship. And I've got a little farm back here. He had a small farm that he had to sell. And he said, I'm going to get rid of all the bad things that have been troubling my family. And there was some bad music. There was some heavy, hard metal music that's not good for the mind of people. That's spiritual too. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the album cover and it says Highway to Hell, <laughs> right? Go, there you go. So not only are the words bad, but the music, they did an experiment like that in Michigan with plants and just noticing some plants respond better to good music like classical yes. and they actually grew worse with that. God's trying to give us examples. So they, he started a bonfire in his backyard. They were burning uh, old albums. They were burning old bad books. I mean, we're going to go to Alaska. We just want to bring the best with me. Yeah. We brought their Bibles. We brought the best things. Amen. And uh, it was it was good. Now, now you say that's just an, a, a historical example. Okay, so we got an example here in the Bible. I got a recent one that happened. I'll make a promise for you. Jesus Christ comes back to take this world over. Mm. There's going to be a lot of book burning. Yes, he's going to get rid of. A, he doesn't want children to read the wrong things. He's concerned about that. Your Lord will do the same thing because Paul said, I'm a follower of Christ. Amen. Yeah. So I guess the internet's going down. <laughs> Most likely, there are a lot of it's going to be taken out it's of there. Be cleansed. What did he, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he'll have his fan in his hand. He'll get rid of the chaff and just leave the good wheat. The truth. Ideas. Yeah. So as we move on in the chapter, verse 21 is a new paragraph in Acts 19. The Bible yeah. says, after these things were ended... Uh, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he's making an itinerary. Yeah. Paul's planning ahead. Paul's planning. That's a good thing for us to do. 
Yeah. It is good to plan. Our missionaries, I just got a letter from one of our missionaries in Indonesia, and he was talking about they're, they're planning to have some uh, Bible conferences at various villages. And, you know, we're going to go here in, in March and we're going to go here in April and we're going to bring the gospel. And he's making plans. And, you know, when Paul goes somewhere, you know what he's thinking. He's going to do the same thing he always does. He's going to go boldly. Amen. to wherever he is, and he's going to preach the gospel. Amen. He'll do what he can. We're just about out of time for the first Just about, of, I, I noticed that Paul, he says he purposed in the spirit, and it's a small s. Yes. So maybe that's his spirit. Sure. Yep. We got a spirit. We make, we make decisions. Yeah. And he wants to go to Jerusalem, yes. and he also wants to go to Rome. And uh, later on in Acts, we're going to find out that going to Rome didn't really work out so well for him. And yet... God used it. God used it. Because God had great plans for Rome. He's going to have a book of Romans written that's Amen. the greatest uh, doctrinal epistle in the New Testament. Amen. And we always encourage people, most of uh, the Gentiles in this area are Roman Catholics. And I always tell them, if you're a Roman Catholic and you've never opened a Bible, at least open the book of Romans and Absolutely. look at the first four or five chapters. Absolutely. You'll be amazed at what you read. You know, we're on the What is Truth program. We're going to have a, a short a station break. But again, we're sponsored by Grace and Truth Church. If you want to catch the old programs, just spell out Grace and Truth Church. Uh, no uh, spaces in there. Dot O-R-G. Grace and Truth Church dot O-R-G. Catch up with the old shows. Stick around for a moment. We'll be right back. What is truth? What is truth? Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome back to the second half of the show. We're in Acts chapter 19 and it was... uh, something to see how how Paul directed those people get the bad stuff out of your house and some of the bad things they had were bad books that were confusing them and leading their family astray and when they did that it says in verse 20 the word of God grew mightily and prevailed amen and that's what God's desire is amen you know people can consider it like this anybody who's ever been camping with a like an RV yes it has RVs have two water tanks one that's clean water right. and one that's black water, okay. right? And the black water needs to get drained out and flushed Amen. out and cleaned out. And that's the way it is with uh, things that are true and things that are lies. Yeah, it's get light rid of versus the lies. darkness. Yeah, yeah, get rid get, of the darkness. Get rid of the garbage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here we are, Acts 19, verse uh, 22. We're going to see that uh, he's Paul's going to run into this guy, Demetrius. Okay. And uh, there's going to be a riot going on later on here. Let's Let's see what it says. So verse 22, the Bible says, So he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, which was Timotheus and Erastus. But he himself, that would be Paul, stayed in Asia for a season. And the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. That way would be Christianity. The preaching of the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way. Amen. That's the way he preaches. Yep. Yeah. Verse 24 of Acts 19, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, he brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation. And he said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, 
saying that they be no gods which are made with hands, so that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath, and they cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. I'm going to stop there at verse 30 for a second. Yeah. So Demetrius, he called together all the craftsmen that were making idols, like little statues, little statues yeah. of silver. Of silver. To Diana. Yeah. And if anybody's ever heard of the wonders of the world, like in the ancient world, there was seven wonders of the world. Yes. Yep. And the temple to Diana that was here at Ephesus one was of considered the, one, of, one the of the seven, seven wonders. wonders of the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Had 60 foot high uh, pillars made out of marble. I think there was like 127 pillars. It was huge. And so this guy, what he's doing is uh, making these little images uh, coated with silver, I'm going to assume. Maybe he carved them out of wood, coated them with silver, and uh, and uh, sold miniature things for people to take to their home. Paul had said a few chapters back about people. He said, I, I passed by, and I noticed you're too superstitious. I mean, you have all these little gods. You have all these little uh, trinkets. You have all these little things. Made with and, hands. Yeah, and they're made with men's hands. And, and look, it's not uncommon to see well, maybe it is nowadays, but when I grew up, you would see little statues on the front, on the dashboard of a car. Yes. It's supposed to be like a good luck charm over there. Right. And many of them were merry at the time. Um, I don't know if there's other ones. This is the type of thing they did. Well, on that note. Yes. I have to say that some people are not really clear on why, uh, why it's a big deal about a statue to whatever it may be. And so if everybody, I think anybody listening has heard of the Ten Commandments. Yes. And you'll find those in Exodus 20 and repeated again in Leviticus chapter 5. I'm De sorry, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 5, five yes. yes. And so here I am for a second in Exodus chapter 20. And he says... Um, and this is the Lord speaking. This is the Lord speaking. Um, verse 2, go verse 3. i got to go back a little bit. Yep. He says, Thou shall have no other gods before me... Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. So people get confused and they say, well, I wasn't worshiping it. What does the Bible say? It says, thou shalt not make unto thee. Right. You're not supposed to make it. So you're going to find that in those two chapters, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. But for more clarity in Leviticus chapter 26 because I've had people ask me about this in the past, and I say, well, a statue would be something that's a, it's an image, but it's a standing image. Yes. That would describe a statue. And here we are, Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1. The Bible says, ye shall make you no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image. Neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it. I am the Lord your God. So he's he doesn't like statues. Sure, and and here in this area, like we were just reading in Acts nineteen, this man uh, Demetrius, the silversmith, 
has uh, many other fellow craftsmen. Maybe they had a trade union of craftsmen. They all got together. They had their annual meetings and stuff like that. And he said, you know, by this craft, end of verse 25, we have our wealth. This is how we make our living. We make a living making statues of people, for people that bow down to the great goddess Diana and her temple. All Asia and all the world seems to worship her. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. Yes. Uh, just like uh, some people make little images of uh, the Statue of Liberty. You go to New York, you're not going to buy the statue itself, but you buy a little statue to right. bring home with you, right. things like that. Okay, I understand maybe from that as a souvenir of New York, but these people are doing it for the purpose of worship. And Psalm 115 in the Old Testament, a beautiful Psalm. And, and, and it says, uh, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. Why? For thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Lord, you've been merciful to us. You've given us uh, the Bible. Verse 2. Wherefore, why should the heathens say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. That's where our God lives. Amen. He's not down here on planet earth. He made heaven and earth. He's in the heavens. Uh, our God, verse three, have done whatsoever he hath pleased. He made heaven, earth. He made the creatures. He made us. But the heathen, verse four, their idols are silver and gold. Their idols are the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. They have noses, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. They can't pick anything up, the idol. <laughs> they have feet, but they walk not. Neither speak they through the throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is Like everyone. you're dead. Yeah. It's like saying you're dead. I mean, you can't do anything spiritually. Amen. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Yeah, and it, they were trusting in Diana. Yes. In fact, they built three temples to her. Oh, there was one that got flooded, destroyed. The other one by fire was destroyed. And the next one was destroyed by invasion from yes. the Goths or the Germans. And so, you know, that's clear. Psalm 115, those first 10 verses or so, first eight verses, that's very clear. Yeah. There's no mistake. No. And so when you hear the word of God and you have that kind of clarity, the right thing to do is to just follow God's Amen. way. Yeah. Um, so here we are, they're, they're shouting greatest Diana, the Ephesians. And, and it says in the whole, they were full of, the whole city was full of confusion. Yes. I mean, you get a whole bunch of people just chanting a mantra in the streets. It's just confusion. Why are you chanting a mantra in the streets? A whole bunch of, what are they saying? Greatest Diana. I think I'll join that whole bunch of people getting together, saying the same thing over and over and over. God says, that's a form of confusion. Yes. When you have truth. You don't need to get a picket sign and get a whole bunch of people saying the same thing over and over, repeatedly, repeated, repeated. That leads to confusion. You obviously don't know the truth. Yeah. Those that speak the truth can speak plainly. Yes. And clearly. And they need not to strive. They can reason with people. Come, God says, let us reason together. Amen. This is an unreasonable manner of behavior. As a matter of fact, I just want to pull out another psalm for you because there's a prophecy. I think it's in Psalm 140. I'll find it real quick. Okay. 144. And it's a psalm of David. And what he's saying is there's a day when the Lord is going to come back and set up his kingdom. And uh, it'll be God. Blessed be the Lord. 
He's my strength. Verse two, my goodness. He's my fortress. He's my high tower. He's my deliverer. He's my shield. Uh, He's the one in whom I trust. He's going to subdue the people, all the enemies. And what's going to happen when he finally comes back? Um, Verse nine, I will sing a new song unto thee. Verse 10, it is he, the Lord, that gives salvation. Uh, When he comes back, uh, verse 12, our sons will be as plants. They'll grow up in their youth. Our daughters will be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. Our garners will be full according to all manner of store. Our sheep will bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our street. Our oxen will be strong to labor. There will be no breaking in nor going out. No more criminals. There will be no complaining in our streets. Amen. Why? Because happy is that people in such a case. Happy is that people people whose God is the Lord. When you Amen. see complaining and confusion in the streets, they don't have God as their Lord. That's not of God. No. God's not the author of confusion, Amen. the Bible says. Amen. Yeah, and they were confused. And, you know, this this whole thing about Diana, uh, that was like the Roman name for that statue. And then the Greeks had the name Artemis. Correct. But it went even back earlier to like Ishtar and Astaroth, all these crazy things. That would be Jeremiah 44. The Uh, name back then was found in Jeremiah chapter 45. She was known as the queen of heaven. And her name was Ashtaroth. And and uh, it's this mentioned was a few times there in yes, that chapter. The Queen of Heaven, yep. And that was the problem they had. And and the way God described it in the book of Judges, it says after um Joshua died, and and when all the days of Joshua and all the days that he was there, the people served the Lord. But when Joshua died, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of of the Lord, and they served other gods called Baalim, the gods of the people round about with their statues. They provoked the Lord to anger, verse 13. They forsook the Lord, and they served Baal and Ashtaroth. And that was that female goddess that became Artemis, that became Diana. Yes. And I'm sorry to say today would be used that Mary is now like a goddess to many people who are confused. Well, it it doesn't have to be confusing. If you just stop and think God is, he created the heavens and earth. It says right in the first chapter of the Bible, God is a he. Yes. And you're only supposed to worship God. He's the only savior. He says in Isaiah 43, 11, I am the savior. There is none other. Right. So your eyes ought to be on him and his son, Jesus Christ. He's the savior. Shouldn't have your eyes off somewhere else. And this whole thing about, like you mentioned, Jeremiah chapter 44, if anybody looks in a King James Bible, you'll see he's saying, don't go serve other gods. Don't Amen. burn incense to them. Right. Don't do wickedness. Don't do those kind of things. And he mentions in verses, this is uh, Jeremiah 44, verse 17 is the queen of heaven. 18 is the queen of heaven. 19 yep. is the queen of heaven. And verse 25 is the queen of yep, heaven. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. Just you should avoid those things. And today they call Mary the queen of heaven. She's kind of replaced Diana. They have temples for Mary. They have yes. statues of Mary instead of Diana. And many people are making their wealth doing that. And God's desire is, I don't even want you to make a statue of my son, Jesus. That's I want right. you to read the words of my son. Right. Hear his word. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Amen. 
So if anybody, let's get to that point that you said for a second. If somebody has a statue of, say, Jesus, and they think, well, that, you know, Jesus is the one we're supposed to be focused on. But he clearly said right in the Ten Commandments. Yes. yes. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And when when Jesus came in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And he said, I've given the words to you that are spirit and they are life. That's what he wants you to partake of. He clearly says, seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Yeah. So this is uh, Acts 19, verse 31. Uh, Paul, in 30, Paul would have entered in unto the people, but the disciples suffered him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, they sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. They were worried for his health. He'd be hurt. Yeah. I mean, it was a mob rule. Something could have happened to him. Well, anything can happen in a riot. Yeah. And they were out of control. And verse 32, some therefore cried one thing and some another. Confusion. Yep. For the assembly was confused. And the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. Some people. (laughs) What are we here for? Yeah. What what are we doing here? (laughs) We're just following a crowd. We don't know what's going on. Yeah. We don't know. People tend to follow the crowd. Yes. And God doesn't want us to follow the crowd. He wants us to follow Christ. Yes. Amen. Amen. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours, they cried out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And there they go, just repeating a mantra over and over. You see crowds do that today. Yeah. They'll get on the street and just chant over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Confusion. And when the town clerk, finally some reasonable person shows up. Here it is, verse 35. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men which are neither robbers of churches, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him, if they have a matter against any man, the law is open. Yeah, come to court. And there are deputies. Let them implead one another. But if you inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. For we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar. There being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. So he's he's making it clear. There's no cause for this gathering. Yeah. And you better not go any further than you already have. And if you've got a legal matter, take it to the law. Bring it to court. Yes. And what he was showing right there is, is back in Rome, because this is a Roman colony. Ephesus is a Roman colony yes. and the Roman laws are well established here. And he's saying, look, there's basically a separation of church and state. You're talking about a church matter. Now, if someone robbed your church, well, verse 37, if someone robbed the church, that would be a law if someone had that. broken into the church, if they had broken a statue at the church, if they had even blasphemed the goddess, but that's not what Paul did. All he did was preach Christ. Amen. He didn't say anything about the goddess. All he did was preach Christ. This doesn't belong in our courts. Amen. You better work this out among yourself. And if you break the law, we're going to bring you to court. And it is interesting that the goodness of God, with his gospel, if you just present the gospel. Yes. It, it makes God, religious people mad. They think you're talking about against their religion. 
but the point is when you bring forth the gospel that Christ did it all, yes, that he died for our sins, then you start to see the falseness of the religions and the different things around. It's the truth of the gospel. Well, sure. I mean, I grew up at Roman Catholic and, um, you know, we were taught and my mom was a devoted worshiper of Mary or she had an entire cabinet full of Madonna statues and things like that. Yeah. And, and um, what was the prayer we used to say? Hail Mary oh, yeah. and that, that type of thing. And we did all that. And of course you're taught that like Demetrius is saying, look, we, we we're here in Ephesus. That seventh wonder of the world is right here in Ephesus. People travel from the world to come here to Ephesus. We, we sell the souvenirs to them to go home with. Some of them go home and they worship. Now they've been taught that from the time they were little. Here comes a man that said, Acts 17, you're too superstitious. Yes. I mean, the God that created all things, we're the offspring and the workmanship of his hand. He's not made of silver or gold. And he winked at this ignorance for years, but now he's given us the truth. And when I learned the truth, I realized I don't need a single one of those Madonnas in my mom's cabinet. Amen. I now have the Lord Jesus Christ and a relationship with the Father through him, just like he said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You don't need anything else. And and when I got, I didn't need any of these things anymore. And that's what will happen. People will put away those former superstitious isn't that kind trinkets. of like isn't that like burning the books? Yeah, there you go. Right, <laughs> they got rid of the garbage. And so, in a similar sense, with my mom, uh, later in life, there was a point where I scooped up all of her old statues that she had of Mary and such. And they all went in the garbage bin and they went out to the garbage truck. Yeah. Why? Because God doesn't want that. He wants you to look upon him. Those, but, those are leading you away from him. By the way, just one and one. That, that's interesting. Those, I don't know what happened to the Madonnas in my mom's cabinet. Uh, when mom died uh, at that time, I guess if I had been 20 years old, I would have wanted to share in the inheritance. When she died, I was... 50 something years old. I didn't need any inheritance. Yeah. So I said to my other siblings, you can take whatever you want. And moms, I don't need anything. I'm fine. The Lord's taking care of me. I'm Amen. okay. Okay. So I didn't do that, but let's say they had divvied those up and I had one quarter of her Madonna's and she had a bunch of them. I bet I could have sold them on the open market for some money. I bet there's people out there who would buy them. I guess. <laughs> yeah. But what, what, that I wouldn't have done that though. No. Because I'd only be feeding someone in their mind the spirit of error and the false impression that somehow God is pleased with this. Well, the biblical example is right here in this chapter. There, there 19. Yeah. <laughs> 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 19. Yeah. Easy to remember, easy to find. They brought their books together of curious arts and they burned them before all men. Even though they could have sold them for some money, it says. Yeah, they were worth yeah. some money. Yeah. Well, I mean, Demetrius makes it clear. There's no question in verse 25, he says, by this craft, we have our wealth. We know the motive of what's behind sure. Demetrius. Yeah. It's the money. Yeah. Um, and, and Jesus did say, you can't serve God and mammon or money. Amen. Amen. And so we would make the choice. Okay, well, we'll serve God, even if that costs us a little something. We'll get rid of these statues, put them in a the garbage can rather than harm some other confused person out there. Yeah. Amen. Uh, somebody today, Christian friend, uh, texted me and asked me a question about, you know, the a little bit about money. And I said, you know, you could have a lot of money or you could have a little money. It could go either way. But I'm trying to find it right now. In uh, the book of Timothy, yes. he says that godliness with contentment is great gain. It's uh, 1 Timothy 6, 6. 
Yes. But godliness with contentment is great gain. It's not about the money. It's about being content, being thankful, and having an attitude of thankfulness day by day, thankful that God has provided everything I need. And Paul wrote to the Philippians, his favorite church, I think he loved Philippi. Mm-hmm. And he was saying there, and he was talking about how he had some rough times. Paul, when he grew up, he had some money. Then he became a missionary. And there were times he suffered with a little bit of poverty. And he said, um, verse 11, I speak in this respect, not in the respect of want. I have learned whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. Amen. I know how to be poor and abased. I know how to abound and be rich everywhere. And in all things, I'm instructed, whether full or hungry, uh, whether I'm abounding or suffering need, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. I can give thanks to God because God's on my side, whether I got a big bank account or a little bank account. Amen. And I'd rather have God on my side with a small bank account than him against me with a big one. Well, Jesus made it pretty clear. I don't remember exactly where in the Gospels, but he said that as long as you have food and raiment, as long as you have be food yeah. and clothing, yeah. be content. Yeah. There Sermon you go. on the Mount. Amen. Yeah. Very good. So that's the end of uh, chapter 19 of Acts. And it is interesting how many things come up, you know, step by step as you're reading through the Bible that are examples for today. Let's, you have some notes that you took here. Yes. Any any notes? Why don't we finish out? We only got about four and a half minutes left. We'll finish out on the 19th chapter and just share some thoughts we have. And next week we'll kick into the 20th chapter, which yeah. is a great so, chapter. So a couple of thoughts. In verse 24, there's this uprising from Demetrius and it's against the gospel because it goes against his money, right? Yes. And so we know that the motive is money. We know that it's about business, right? That's yep. what it's all about. He might not have cared about the statues at all, but he cared about the money he was making from those statues. <laughs> That's an interesting point. Yeah, he gathered a business meeting yeah. is what he did, right? <laughs> and and they made statues, like you said. It, it could be today. It could be just like Mary statues or Jesus statues. I mean, I never thought of that. Demetrius could be a Muslim for all we know, but he yeah. just found out I can make money on these statues. Right? If they like Diana, I don't mind. Yeah, he was just taking advantage <laughs> of their uh, confusion. Yeah. Yeah, their superstition. Yeah. Um, you know, today, the, I'm, I'm trying. I always try to put a little bit connection between you know the old things of the Bible from 2,000 years ago to today. Absolutely, yeah. God and, wants and, us to make it real and yes, fresh. It is, yeah, like fresh oil every day. And they're they're cr- chanting for two hours in this chapter. Great is Diana the mm. Ephesians, right? Yeah, yeah. How about today if we said, well, uh, great is Mary. Uh, great is Our Lady of Fatima, or how about great is the Virgin of Guadalupe? Sure. You know, people say that stuff today. God doesn't want you to say that. He wants you to praise the Lord. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised is what the Bible says. Amen. 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 He's a good God. And you know, this thing about business, there's people make business off of godly things such as Bibles, There's Bible publishers out there such as Zondervan and Tyndale and Oxford and Thomas Nelson, and they've been printing and printing changed Bibles, or God would call them perverted Bibles, meaning the verses have been changed. That's perverse, perverse. That's how that word comes around. Yeah. And so when they're making money off of changing God's word and selling it, you have to consider that's completely different than say a King James Bible with no copyright. No no copyright. Yeah. There's no copyright to this. This is God's book, a King James Bible and it's not changed. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 
So, well, that's that it's it's interesting to study because the the journeys that Paul goes through in the Acts of the Apostles, and although the times were different, and and uh, I mean, two thousand years ago, the clothes were different, the means of communication were different, the people were still the same. They had the same desires, I think, to know the truth. If they didn't find the truth, they had people that would beguile them into believing the spirit of error. They uh, worshipped. They were uh, superstitious. They needed the truth. And this is why everywhere Paul came, when he passed into a new area, he would go boldly into the marketplace. He would go boldly to the place of worship and he would preach the gospel of Christ and the kingdom of God. It was his desire to have people hear the word of the Lord. Just like it says in verse 10, they heard the word of the Lord. And that's that's the great need. Amen. That's and, the great need. And as you read through the Bible, as you're reading through the New Testament, you'll find things like uh, here he's in Ephesus, yes. right? And the book to the Ephesians, the book of the Ephesians in chapter great two, book. it says, I guess I should go to it. We got Romans, we got Corinthians, Galatians, and then the book of the Ephesians. Yeah. And so it says in the first chapter of Ephesians, verse 7, in whom, speaking of Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Yep. That's really what it's all about. You want to be uh, spiritually blessed and be born again. And in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, uh, verse first, it says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now think about that. You could be healthy and alive and operating just fine, but the Bible says that you're dead in trespasses and sins. So spiritually dead because God is a spirit of holiness. And if we have trespass and sin, we're separated from him and we're dead in that relationship to God. And that's the bad news. But the good news is found a few verses later, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for yes. by grace are you saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. And that's the good news we have for you right around this Christmas season. Uh, the the greatest package you can receive is Jesus Christ in your heart. That's the Christmas gift you want for a Merry Christmas. We're going to be with you uh, next week again right here on the What is Truth program. Uh, Check us out at the website, graceandtruthchurch.org. And until we meet you next week, do like Jesus said. Search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. You've been listening to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth? Only on WECK.